What's up, everybody? Happy afternoon to you. This is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. And guess what? It's never too late for gratitude. <laughs> Good morning, everybody listening right now on iTunes, on Spreaker, on Spotify, on YouTube. Uh, who else is there? Oh, Anchor and uh, I, I said iTunes. <laughs> Did I say iHeartRadio? We are growing. We are all over the place right now, and it's so much fun. So welcome. Thank you guys so much for joining the show today. Um, as promised, before we start every show, I'm going to give you my gratitude. I was able to do that this morning, and we're going to do it again today. I uh, just found out that I'm going to have the opportunity to possibly go to Egypt to, for three weeks to work and to volunteer with a nonprofit there working with kids. And um, it's an amazing just the possibility just makes my heart warm with gratitude and I'm really, really excited about it. And of course, I'm grateful for all of you, for everyone that is here today to support our guest, uh, Mr. Doug Grady. Uh, really quick, we're going to get into reading his bio and then we're going to get the show started. So for the, a lot of you already know who Doug is. Doug is terrific. But Doug has helped thousands of people reclaim their focus and grow toward their potential. Doug is a TEDx speaker and a highly requested keynote speaker. He is the author of The Ripple Effect, which has been widely read and highly endorsed. He has also developed the life-changing program, 40 Days of Focus. Man, I need that. Doug gives a significant portion of his time and money to local and global causes. He has been on several mission trips, including to Ecuador, where he is part of a 12-man team building homes for the poorest of the poor. His company's, write, his company's writings, trainings, and music are designed with one purpose, to help people reach their God-given potential. I can get behind that. How awesome. Let's get the show started. What's up, Bonnie? What's up, everybody watching on Facebook? So, radio audience, if you're curious who the heck I'm talking to, you can go over to Facebook right now and look up Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. Uh, people ask questions, they're allowed to interact with the show here. It's a lot of fun. So YouTube, you can come over here and check it out. If you're iHeart, come check it out, guys. It's a lot of fun. All right, guys, let's bring Doug on. Good morning, sir. Good morning, good afternoon, morning, Joshua. Or... <laughs> it's, it's such a habit. I can't, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. I've been awake since 5 a.m. and I'm still saying good morning to people. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, speaking of that, what are you grateful for today, Doug? Yeah, I'm grateful to be on the show. I'm grateful for my wife. You've had the opportunity to begin working together, and she's got some skills that. Uh, it sounds like you've helped a lot of people and in, in ooh, feedback. Your wife is terrific. I had the pleasure of talking to her um, before we, when we were setting this interview up, and she's she's fantastic. She definitely represents you well. <laughs> you know, I look a lot better next to her, man. I'll tell you that. So I'm looking at your bio photo, 
and you have no facial hair. I didn't even recognize you. I thought I set up the interview with the wrong person. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, that's funny, Joshua. I, it's only been about the last year or so that I've had this facial hair. My Allison and I went to a, a trip to New Zealand and to Australia, and I started growing it out, and it's just kind of stayed. And so it's, it's interesting when people see me that I haven't seen in some time and they haven't seen me with a beard, they'll say something very profound like, you know, dude, you're growing a beard. <laughs> it's you too because you don't grow the beard, the beard grows by itself. And it's just a great, you actually have to do something to stop the growth of a beard. And it's a great metaphor for life. And we do things to stop our personal growth. We do things to stop our spiritual growth. We do things to kill sales, to minimize emotional maturity so a lot of what I try to teach is not just doing more so but what can you do less of or not at all to allow for your full growth into your potential so I don't know how long this will be on the face but it's a great metaphor for now I I dig it man it's it's I wish I, I get impatient like right when it gets a little bit longer than this I'm like okay done I'm shaving it again so <laughs> so I want to know. That is that is actually really true. That is very very true. I just get itchy and I fidget and I I play with I just I would play with it nonstop. So it's just it, it's another thing to distract me. So I would probably need to do the forty days of focus program that you have if I'm going to grow a beard because it would drive me nuts. So I do want to get into 40 days of focus, but I want to talk about your book, um, the ripple effect. Tell, tell us what that's about. Yeah. The ripple effect was written really kind of by accident. I was going through a very dark time in my life. I was physically, uh, and probably in the worst shape of my life. I've been not really most of my life, but I allowed myself to slip. I, you know, I bought a company called High Achievers Network. At the time, we were running five to seven seminars in three different markets on the West Coast. I bought it around 2007, 2008. You know what happened around that time? I bought it thinking I could sell my way out of anything, and I uh, surely the economy couldn't get any worse, and I was dead wrong on both counts, so I ended up just stuck physically, mentally, emotionally. I was heavily in debt. Uh, my relationships were suffering, my faith. I mean, I was just like a midlife crisis without the money to go find a younger woman and a brand new car. I just well, almost was really about, probably about a month away from being homeless. Uh, I lived in an Atlanta apartment, and I just made a recommitment to physical exercise. It was a 30-day commitment, 30 minutes a day. Ended up being much longer than that, but through this one simple choice that's the subtext of the ripple effect is that one simple choice can change the course of your life and so i paid attention to this one simple choice and the discipline that it took to exercise what i didn't want to to do you know what i call the haw kind of you know the half-ass workout do it even when you don't feel like it you don't want to it's uncomfortable but you do it and that's what was missing in my life that's what's missing in a lot of people's life is they don't do their they don't do what they say they're going to do. Sure. So I guess there was different about this. There was an integrity in this exercise commitment that now I can apply to 
every other area of my life that was suffering. I started getting up earlier. I started eating a little better. I started, and I basically I wrote an article about it. I never had the, had the, the thought to write a book, but I wrote an article, and all this stuff has started changing out of one simple choice repeated over time and the other choices that followed, many of which were just natural and seemingly effortless based on this recommitment to physical exercise. That was an article, maybe a thousand words, resonated with a lot of people. Uh, this, this little old lady at a networking meeting that I went to, she'd been in real estate seriously probably 70 years, and she had my little article folded up in her First, she said one of our mutual friends was going through a really difficult time. She took out this article and she gave it to him, and that's when it got into my head that the book could be, it was small enough to fit into a purse, maybe into a back pocket. This book fits into a breast pocket on a jacket, fits into a person's. And I just thought, well, maybe it could be a book, maybe it could help people going through a rough time. And so I just started writing, and about a year later, it was a book. Wow. I know my morning routine is, I, I, I don't miss it for anything. I, 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 I like to go to bed at nine o'clock, but even if I go to bed later, or no matter what I do the night before, I'm, I, I'm up at five and I start my day because that routine and that habit of my time, my time with the Lord, and then my walk to the gym and my workout, and then coming back and what I eat, and then doing the show, my morning routine is like four hours long at this point, and I'm obsessed about it. But it's what, it, like, it, no matter what happens that day, I know that, that that morning routine, if I do that, everything is going to be okay. Because I'm in the frame of mind of what, where I need to be to take on whatever problems come with the day. Yeah. Start. You start intentionally, right? You start. You choose how you start your day. I I start my day with spiritual disciplines, with affirmations, with journaling. And when I'm consistent with that, things seem to go pretty well. When I'm inconsistent with that, same things seem to not go as consistently peaceful and joyful as I would like them to. So it's, it really takes a it takes a commitment around that for a lot of people. I'm one of them. If I allow myself to slip. Then that's it's a, there's a downward ripple there. <laughs> With my commitment, if I'm going to be at a meeting at 7 a.m., that means I'm up at 5:30 or 5, so I get that in before I get to my 7 a.m. meeting. So, you know, that's, that's part of what I strive to teach people is you got to make your commitments stronger than your excuses, and this is a very important one. How you start your day? I I love that. Um, yet Margaret says I get to create how my day will start. Uh, discipline creates freedom, Tyler says. I, I love this. Um, so I want to know, I want to talk to you about the 40 days of focus because that, if I could get five minutes of focus, I would consider it a blessing. So this is 40 days. This seems ambitious. Tell us about that. Yeah, we have, a, we have an iconic establishment in the Southeast. I don't know if they allow these in Southern California. It's called the Waffle House. Have you heard of the Waffle House, Joshua? Dude, I'm from Oklahoma. I know what's up. Yeah, so you got Waffle Houses in Oklahoma. They, they're the house <laughs> brown. They've actually trademarked this thing. It's called Scattered, Smothered, and Covered. And it's entrepreneurs, <laughs> salespeople. This is, how, this is how most of us live our life, man. I mean, 
Just think about it. life is a series of distractions, and we become really good at getting. Now we're professionally distracted with thousand-dollar phones and smart, so-called smart devices that just. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? You can that that no caffeine thing can go um, go fly a kite. I understand. It's a personal choice, Joshua. I'm not telling you what to do. It's one of many choices you can make. Yeah, I'm I'm right now currently um, substituting two meals a day for this crazy concoction that I that I've I've whipped together every day. I'm obsessed with it now. But I, that's my new thing because I'm trying to like you know. I want to look like a Greek god, even though I'm German. That's what I'm committed to. <laughs> so tell me some of the global causes that you work with. So 12 of us went in there uh, three years and we built 
we go in seven days, 12 men build, I think, six, six to seven of these on each trip. And this organization's been responsible for about 70 of these homes wow. built over the course of seven years in Ecuador. That was the first time that I had experienced any type of international mission. And you know, I went over there, Josh, before this kind of mental and emotional breakdown. I thought I had problems, man. I mean, I, I was broke. I was about to, I was behind on my rent. Uh, but you get over there, you realize you, you, have, you have no problems. These are people that on their worst day, our, on our, our worst day, we experience a whole lot more than they do on their best day. And some of them had a lot better attitude than I was uh, engaging in. Uh, so that's a, that's a, was the first real time I served outside of myself. That was about eight or nine years ago. More recently, Atlanta, here in Atlanta, Alice and I have been involved in an organization called the Atlanta Dream Center. And this organization, and these guys are warriors, man. They go out on the streets of Atlanta and they rescue uh, men and women that have been involved in sex traffic. And this, this organization is, uh, uh, I mean, they are just doing incredible work for a really just scummy industry and cleaning, helping them rehabilitate their lives, get off the streets. I mean, for me, that kind of stuff is, is moving. It's dirty work and they're doing it with love and with passion. And this is something that my wife and I have begun to support. We've begun to attend this church and we've begun to uh, put our time and resources into this mission. That's one of many missions that this particular organization serves. One of the most uh, important ones in my opinion. Yeah, it's uh, the sex trafficking industry is a lot deeper and darker than people understand. I mean, and, and then and it goes, the problem goes all the way to the top. I mean, the, some of the government officials that are involved, celebrities, wealthy men and women. It's, it's a very sick industry. In fact, actually, today I was supposed to have on somebody that was sex trafficked from the age of like four on. And then she later became a madam. But she gave her life to she ended up giving her life to Christ, and now she's dedicated to helping those people. But when you hear her stories, and when you hear stories about like what happens when one of the um, the escorts or whatever role they end up taking when they get pregnant, and what they do with the baby and baby farms, and it just it or or black market adoption, it is a sick, sick, just. In, I don't even want to call it, give it the respect of calling it an industry, but the fact is it runs like a freaking, you know, a, a Fortune 500 company, but illegal. It's just, it's terrifying. And yeah, these people, I mean, I have a very strong heart for the sexually abused and because I know what that can do to somebody and how it can change their life. And if they don't get help early, it, it can lead to some very destructive behavior. And uh, so I have a heart for that too, and I commend you for uh, your efforts there. What, what's the deal with music? You, you're, you're, what do you, what do you, are you a musician too? Well, uh, I, started, I started putting music, I was raised in a musical home. My father sang and played guitar, my mother had a beautiful voice. And so my brother and sister and I were put into piano and band. And choir and other so-called um, important 
pursuits, which for me just solidified my space as a geek as a, as a child. Uh, and so as soon as I could rebel, I rebelled. Dude, my parents allowed me to rebel. I rebelled to do sports. I stopped quit music in eighth grade. I started doing athletics. Uh, and I don't regret that. Uh, but I, I wish I would have kept up with the music. In my 30s, I got it in my head that I maybe I could do a little more with music than just singing at uh, bars late night when the band would allow me to. Uh, <laughs> so I picked, I started listening to this, I started listening to a radio program driving from Atlanta to Tennessee. It was about some guys playing bluegrass and about the banjo. I said one thing to my father, and this banjo was sitting underneath the, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but this banjo was sitting underneath the Christmas tree down here. And uh, I just kind of on a dare, I started putting some parody songs into my speaking engagements. I wrote a song about, you remember the Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way? Yeah. Song I ever sang, I didn't even have the musical accompaniment at the time. There's a fun of this group called the Buckhead Business Association. Now, these guys, man, they are white collar guys, ties, pretty stiff, mostly men. Wait. In front of 150 of these guys, I changed the words to I want it that way to you are my prospect, the one I respect, believe what I say. I want to say today, tell me why. I have to hear objections. Tell me why I have to feel rejection. Tell me why I always have to hear you say you'll call me Tuesday. So I've already been speaking for quite some time. I was so petrified of that experience. I didn't sing again for like five years, but I, I did it. I started putting that, I put some music with that. I put it into some speaking engagements in California. Uh, and then I just, it kind of took a life of its own. So I opened with a song, depending on the length of the engagement, or sometimes like close with a song. It's all around entrepreneurship, salesmanship, that sort of thing. That, that's terrific. The only song I know is I Was Drunk. The day my mama got out of prison, <laughs> and I went to pick her up in the rain. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um, yeah, I actually was looking for that song on YouTube, and then I realized that I may get the copyright police after me again. So I'll play it on my own time. I've been waiting for him to knock on my door and I'm just going to ask him to sing it, so, you know. The only time I, I've ever uh, made a parody song is when I ran for student council president in high school and um, I redid the words to Ice Ice Baby. And uh, yeah, it was a whole performance, but needless to say, I got kicked off the ballot after I was done. So... Well, it wasn't really that. It was the fact that I ended up, I acted like I peed my pants. I had a water balloon in my pants and I acted like I peed my pants and took off my pants and I had a mini skirt on and, and then I took my shirt off and had a bra and it said vote Berglund on it. I went completely rogue. Um, anyway, if, if somebody that I went to high school with pops on here, they'll be able to confirm how awful that performance was. But, you know, I, I, I can't really tell you what I was thinking. 
That's that's hardly vulnerable. <laughs> I'm just par for the course with Josh Ross. Uh, <laughs> it's so bad. What's up, Aaron Walters from the Phoenix Dream Center? Good to see you, man. So, what are you working on right now? Like, what what do you what right now is on your heart that you're passionate about that you want to share? Wow, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually working on some professional development right now. Really investing into uh, the business, just becoming a better businessman. You know, I came into this industry. Um, young and naive and really if I felt called to it and I still don't call feel called to it um, and the, one of the challenges in being called to an industry is you're not always you're feeling that sense of being called to an industry is that you're not always as strategic as you can be so I've begun after 25 years to you know no time like the present to become more Strategic, just to look at the business more as a business, to look at myself more as a CEO, to look at how do I want to create this for the next 10, 15, 20 years, and getting serious about my own professional development. My my coach, one of my coaches, says, "Beware the coach that has no coach." Mm-hmm. So I coach a lot of people on their personal growth. I I teach them how to move toward barriers and grow toward their potential and get through their sticking points and. I've had some sticking points with my business, so I'm really going all in this year. I've invested a tremendous amount of money. Along the house and I have invested some time, money, and energy. We're about halfway through a major um, professional growth to work on the business, not in the business, and really create this thing uh, so that we can help more people. If you're in a calling and you're not making any money, you may not be in that <coughs> So I'm looking just to be more, we're looking to be more strategic uh, so we can have this thing last long enough to help a lot of people. So that's that's something I'm very, um, I'm, I'm all in with that right now, along with, with my wife, who's my partner now. Uh, working on the next book, I've got enough content probably for four or five of them, so it's just piecing out what those messages are. And, um, but the challenge with the book is not the content, it's how you organize it. For me, it's how you organize it in a way that makes sense and is a good focused message for people. So I'm um, looking at that and always looking to come out to Southern California, man. So I'm focused on that. Let me know what you have in mind and I'll pop on a plane and I'll see you. I love it, man. I, I hear you on the... Uh, right now for me is because I, I have a very ambitious journey. Like the vision for my... Really, for what for my life and what I want to do for the world is bigger than what I could actually even comprehend. And I know that I had a lot of limiting beliefs, and so I committed to going to leadership, emotional intelligence training, and doing a four month program that has just radically changed the my confidence level and the and the tools that I have to be able to help me get there. Because frankly, I got I used to, man I. Just, cut off my foot despite my face or whatever that expression is. Like I'm always, I was always getting in my way because I had some bad habits that I developed over the years. And, you know, I've been really big in personal development the last three years. And of course my faith is, you know, is been a very strong instrument to help me do that. But it's also to help me realize that I have some work I get to do. Like there's another level I can go to and I got to get out of my own dadgum way. And so I've done that, 
because it's really, and it's helping me be better at business too. You know, I can't just rely on my charming personality all the time. I mean, I have to have some skills. <laughs> so I, I commend you on that. And I'm really excited to hear about your book. What's, can you tell us what the title is going to be or what it's going to be about? If I can tell you, you know, it's for me, it's everything that I do has been about, has it, been about helping people reach their God-given potential. Yeah. It will be, you know, what is it that really makes the difference in that? I mean, there's a thin line between success and failure. There's a thin line between greatness and mediocrity. I want to speak to that thin line. I want to help people with simple truths that impact their life. The problem with simple is just that. It's easily dismissible. Oh, it can't be that simple. But the problem with simple is we sometimes forget about it. I mean, truths can be easily forgotten or easily obscured. So I want to just shine light on what is true. How do we truly access our God-given potential? And I want to, I want it to come from my God-given potential. And I sometimes, similar to what you're saying, Josh, we can all second-guess ourselves and wait for that perfect moment and, and have the, the best of us left within us when we're sitting in a casket somewhere. So I to, you know, this book wouldn't have been written. The, the book, I'll, you know, I'll tell you a little story. Maybe, maybe this, we should recreate this. The ripple effect. Uh, you, Wayne Dyer had this thing where he would... Um, he would design the cover of the book, and he'd look at the cover every day, and that was kind of his, he was designing, he would design, so he'd look at the cover every day, and that would be his anchoring point, like his way of throwing his hat in the ring for the book that wasn't yet written. So I tried that, I, I got a little picture of a ripple, I didn't have a design team, but I took a picture of a ripple off the computer, I put it through a, a printer, and then I put, put it back through the printer, and I just put Doug Grady, the ripple effect on there, and that was a whole notebook, I would catch everything in that notebook, and put my notes in there, put the blogs out, and so forth. So that worked fairly well for a while, and the book was probably 80% done, 90% done, and it was just kind of stuck and stagnant. My girlfriend at the time, now my wife, uh, she had this great idea to break into my computer, steal my manuscript, take that picture. She took everything to a kinko and I said, a picture of it. She put the whole thing together into this form, this this booklet. So it's got the ripple, you can't really see this, it's got the ripple effect. She's got a front of the bottom, New York Times bestseller, 250,000 copies sold on the back. She's got a testimonial from Tony Robbins from Jack Canfield, from Allison Cusick, that's her. And she gave me this book that she had printed up and stolen from my computer. She gave me this book for Christmas. And so I looked in this book and here's the words that I had written inside the book. And it actually kind of looks like a book. And I, it had so much of an effect on me. Wow. The final manuscript to the publisher and within 60 days this book showed up. So it's just a way of kind of I'm sure the book would have probably been written, but actually that quickly, with that velocity and that urgency, that made a profound impact. So she's no longer my girlfriend. Uh, she's not my wife. You know, she's a keeper at that point. And, uh, <laughs> but that's how the first book got written. I mean, wow. So these are all, you know, when you commit to something, the divine forces come to your aid. I think that was one of them for me, the divine force in my life. 
I guess it's time for her to throw my. Maybe I just need to ask her to give me a deadline for the next book, and we'll have it. Or just go raid your computer again. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay, so I want to ask you, who is the biggest influence in your life besides Tony Robbins? You know, man, it's had a, a big. I, I recently asked the question on Facebook: Who's someone who's had a major impact on your life and you've never met? So for me, so a man named David R. Hawkins. Ooh. He was a. He passed away a couple of years ago. His most famous work is called Power Versus Force. He's written a book called Letting Go. Um, he was a psychiatrist, a medical doctor, a spiritual advisor. He's many titles, many accolades, but his his teaching is around truth versus falsehood and on how do we raise our consciousness and how do we choose spirit versus choosing our ego and that that book that man has had a profound impact on my life and never met him allison and i a couple years ago we've been we we began attending a, a book study on one of these one of his books and we met a man named chris cobb and chris was a very avid Hawkins student much more advanced than any of us in that room and he became a mentor for me he became a spiritual and mental coach for me um over the course of about two or three years he recently passed that man had a massive impact on my life continues to even in his uh, not being here physically and, and much of his teaching was from david r hawkins so i have david r hawkins to thank for chris cobb who i got to be with personally for a couple of years. That man was a tremendous impact on me. I actually emceed his celebration of life. I wrote a blog. If, if you're, some of your viewers are intrigued about this. I wrote some of the lessons that I got from him one-on-one. I endeavored to write them in a way that they were completely accurate, but also applied to people besides just me who he was talking just to me about my situation. But I wrote these, what I call Cobbisms in a way that they I believe apply to many people. So if uh, you want, if any review or any reason want to check that out, it's dougreedy.com, and you can scroll back a couple of pages on the blog. It'll say Chris Cobb, and uh, it's uh, just a great tribute to him and the man that he was and the impact he had in my life. <coughs> These are names you'll hear very often in the person, the so-called self-help world, but those two men have helped me probably more than any speaker. Uh, most motivational preacher or otherwise in my life. I love that, man. Well, listen, I'm so grateful that you came on the show today and gave us so much time. I know you're a busy guy, but I would love to have you back on um, another time for sure, especially when you get that other book finished or as soon as your wife steals it from you and publishes it again. Uh, I love it, man. Well, listen, for coming on the show today, I'm going to give you a giraffe. What? Yeah. I'm going to give you a giraffe, and you cannot sell it, and you cannot give it away. What are you going to do with it? Is this a, is this a trick question? No, I'm going to really give you a giraffe. You're really going to give me a giraffe? Yeah. What am I going to do with a giraffe? I guess I'll put him somewhere. It depends on how big he is. Well, it's full-size giraffe. What's that? It's a full-size giraffe. A full-size giraffe? you got to feed it, too. I'll just put him in the backyard, George Mission. 
Okay. Fair enough. They're amazing animals. I believe it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Doug Grady, for coming on the show. Tell your lovely wife that she's awesome and she needs to steal your book and get it out there as soon as possible. Joshua, you're awesome. I appreciate the work you're doing to serve your greatest good, and uh, thank you so much for having me on. God bless, man. Talk to you soon. Doug Grady, everybody. Uh, Check out his website. I'm actually going to go to his website and check that out now because that looks really cool. Um, Thank you guys so much for uh, watching your participation today. Uh, It's just... It's been a fun day, fun show. He's great, and I uh, can't wait to have him back on. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Jody, Aaron, Allison, uh, Jason, my man, Matthew, Mary.